Welcome to the Starting Line Church Sermons Podcast. Here at Starting Line Church, we are all about helping people embrace that there is more to life through Jesus. This sermon was first given at Starting Line Church in Cleveland, Ohio. Hey there, welcome to the first week of our series, Where Am I? My name is Zach, and I want to begin by telling you just a quick story. Last summer, my wife's family took a trip to Cape Cod, Massachusetts, and and before the trip took place, my mother-in-law insisted that uh, we go to AAA and get what is called a triptych. Uh, If you don't know what this is, uh, you basically go to AAA, you tell them where you're starting, where you're ending, and they give you this uh, guide, this map, um, on basically how to get there. Uh, but it, it, it marks out like, hey, if you need gas, like here's some good places to get it. Or hey, here's some like landmarks to kind of know that you're on the right path. Or here's some maybe things that you want to see along the way. And so basically it's everything that like Google Maps does just in paper form. Uh, so we loaded up uh, the cars and we had our trip ticks in hand and we headed out. Today we are beginning uh, just a quick three-week series called Where Am I? And and what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks here is uh, attempt uh, what some might call some spiritual cartography. So now cartography is the science of drawing maps. And over the next few weeks, what we're going to attempt to do is uh, to, to work on drawing a map for this journey that we call life. Now, one of the reasons I'm so excited about this series is is because it's pretty new for me as well. Uh, Many of you know that I grew up uh, in in church and and, and have really been a follower of Jesus ever since I was a little kid. And and it's really just recently that I've kind of come across this idea of of mapping out our spiritual journey. And, And really for the last six months to a year of my personal life, this has been really impactful for me, I first uh, heard this laid out from a pastor and author call, uh, named John Mark Comer. Those of you guys that know me know that um, I am a huge fan of, of his work. Um, and, and, and so this is kind of uh, some lessons taken uh, from him and, and has been extremely helpful for me. And so what we're really going to do is, is kind of condense uh, just kind of some of the things that, that he has taught on this subject and, and really just kind of give us a 30,000-foot view of this. But here at Starting Line Church, one of the things that we are all about is this idea that that life is a journey, especially our spiritual life, right? We are called Starting Line Church because we believe that coming to know Jesus is simply the starting line to that journey, right? It's not just the end goal. It's much more uh, real. It's much deeper than that. And, and our life is best lived when we have this idea of a journey in mind. But if we say that life is a journey, it would help if we had a map to know where we are going. I like what 1 Peter 2 says like this. It says, So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Right? And so Peter links uh, our, our development as Christians, as followers of Jesus, similar to our physical growth as human beings, right? We begin as babies, right? We begin uh, by drinking milk, right? When, we, when a baby is first born, like that's the diet that they 
are on. But then Paul says that we must go deeper, um, and, and the reason for that is so that we would grow into a full experience of salvation. There are other verses about this transition that takes place, one of them being Hebrews chapter 5. It says this, You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who, have, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. You see, our desire uh, as a church is not just for people to experience Jesus for the first time, but for all people to grow into this full experience. If you've spent any time around Starting Line Church, you know that one of our favorite phrases is, there is more. And this is the whole idea behind uh, what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks, right? Uh, we believe that the Christian life, right, being, being a follower of Jesus isn't just about making uh, a decision to follow Jesus and then living the rest of your life, right? But we say that it's, it's a journey, it's growth. There's per, a progression that takes place. In our denomination, we, we would call this journey, uh, and if you spend any time uh, around maybe the evangelical faith, you might have heard the word of, of sanctification, right? This, this process of, of becoming holy or becoming more like Jesus, right? And so the, this, this process takes place, right? It's, it's, it's a journey. There's growth. There's a progression that has to take place. So to help us navigate this, um, we're, we're going to dive into just one of many. There are, are, are a few out there, and if you want to research more, feel free to reach out to us. I'd love to pass some more along to you. But we're going to be working over the next couple of weeks in, in an ancient paradigm of, of spiritual stage theory called the three ways. Now, stage theory um, is, is simply an attempt to map the spiritual journey. It first came about um, in the second century AD, so this is not a new thing. Um, this, is, this is quite old, quite ancient. Um, and, and so this has been written on and developed over, over many centuries. And I love this quote uh, from, from John Cassian, who is a Christian monk uh, from the 4th century, so about two centuries after um, this kind of first shows up. And John, he, he says this, he says, There is no arrival unless there is a plan to go. If life truly is a journey, there must be a plan to do so. Right? It's not just going to happen. Life isn't just going to take us where we want to go. We have to be intentional. We need a map, a plan. Now, a few notes before we get started. First, uh, in, in order for us to, to, uh, to understand this, um, this is a deeply uh, profound and spiritual, um, some would even say uh, there, there's mystery surrounding this. And so in order for us to understand it, we're going to make this sound a lot more linear than it actually is. Uh, when we talk about uh, this, this map that we're going to draw, we're going to make it sound like you go from A, and as soon as you complete A, you go to B, and as soon as you complete B, you go on to C. But the reality is this is rarely the case. It's just helpful uh, for, for the logical side of our brains to understand it in a linear way because there is, it is this really complex thing, um, right? Uh, uh, this thing. Some modern writers that, that write on stage, 
on Stage Theory, um, actually liken it to uh, playing Monopoly. If you've played Monopoly before, uh, you know that uh, you start at Go and, and you go around the board, right? And you're going around the same board time and time again. And, and the hope is that you, uh, you know, maybe accumulate some properties along the way. Um, you know, you're trying to avoid going to jail or maybe land on free parking or, or not land on your opponent's hotel and have to pay all this rent, right? And so there's ups and downs that happen in the game of Monopoly. And so that's a, a similar image, again, to help us understand this, this truly profound uh, mystery. Right? The truth of the matter is, and, and, and why it's so difficult to actually map, is that uh, this doesn't actually just apply to our, our lives as a whole, right? So what, what we will talk about um, is that you know we, we lay this out for our lives as a whole, but in reality, we can be at multiple parts, at multiple points on the map in regards to different things in our life. So maybe uh, when, when we talk about like our prayer life, like maybe you're, you're farther along the journey in prayer than you are in say like scripture reading. So that's again, it, it's a very complex thing. And so the, the thing to keep in mind is that this is not actually this linear, but we're gonna talk about it that way just for the sake of helping us understand. Secondly, um, the reason why this is so important and, and why we believe so much in, in teaching on this is not only does it help us understand where we are as followers of Jesus, but it also allows us to have an appreciation for where others are at on the journey as well, right? It helps us uh, to know what's coming up, right? We can kind of look ahead uh, like the triptych that we talked about in the beginning. Uh, we know the landmarks that are coming up, right? We kind of know what to be on the lookout for. We also know kind of some of the dangers that happen in some of these different stages. So we, we kind of look out for things to avoid. You know, maybe there's a road closed over here. Um, and so mapping this journey is not just for ours, but it also allows us um, to, to, to keep, to refrain from even just judging others in their spiritual journey, right? There's a temptation for us um, to either take two postures when we're, when we're in relationship with other people who are on this journey of life is, is we can either uh, look with envy uh, at those who may be farther along, or we may look in judgment at those that are farther back. And so this is a tool that simply helps us relate to other people better and have this deep appreciation and, and, and honestly helps us guide others along uh, the, the path as well. And lastly, and, and this might be the biggest disclaimer, um, the fact of the matter is we call this stage theory, right? This is a theory. Um, it's a tool. It's meant to be a helpful tool. Um, this is not a biblical standard. Uh, we won't be, um, you know, going verse by verse through a book of the Bible. Um, you know, while we will pull scripture into this, this is not laid out in the Bible, right? We can point to areas in scripture where it makes sense. Um, but the fact of the matter is that we now have 2,000 years of people following Jesus to look back on makes me think of Lewis and Clark. Um, if you know their story, um, you know, early in, 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 in American history, right, they're pushing west. Um, and, and, and as they go along, they're on this journey to find the west coast. As they're on this journey, one of the things that they do along the way is they're making a map, right? And they map out kind of the landmarks. They're, they're surveying as they go so that the people that come behind them know where to go. And so similar to that, we've had 2,000 years of people following Jesus who have written maps, who have, who have kind of laid out like, this is what the experience is like. 
And so this is, again, simply uh, a, a tool. And so my prayer is that maybe for the next couple of weeks, we just set aside any skepticism and, and just see if there's anything here for us. It's simply a tool um, that has really helped me and I hope uh, will be of use to you. So the paradigm that we are, are going to begin with today, um, and we'll actually finish up next time, is called the three ways. Uh, this paradigm of stage theory, of, of mapping the spiritual journey, um, this is probably one of the most ancient ones. It's the one that's probably been around the longest. Like we said, it dated all the way back to the second century A.D. And so in it, we find kind of three stages in our development, um, in our progression on this uh, path that we call life. And there's actually a pre-stage that we're going to begin with here in just a second. And so today, what we will do is we will start with the pre-stage and the first stage, and next time we will wrap up with the last two. So let's jump in together. So first, we come to uh, the stage called awakening. In this stage of our journey, we come to realize in, in, in our language here at Starting Line Church that there is more to life through Jesus. And this is where we come uh, to realize that life isn't all uh, that, that we realize that it is, right? It's not just going to work, coming home, raising a family, having a career, um, trying to be a good person. Right? The fact of the matter is that we come face to face with two main realities. <coughs> we come face to face with who we truly are and we come face to face with who God truly is. We realize uh, the good, the bad, the ugly about ourselves, right? And we come awake to these two realities, and it leads us to begin this journey with Jesus. The thing about the stage is that um, sometimes it happens almost instantaneously, right? Maybe, maybe part of your story of coming to know Jesus is like, it happens like that. It was in a moment, you know, it was at church on one Sunday or you, you were in a conversation with someone and it just kind of seems like it clicks. But sometimes, and, and maybe often, this idea of awakening takes place over a long period of time. Sometimes it's weeks, months, maybe even years or decades. And so if this is where you are in your journey. If you haven't quite come to the starting line, it's okay. It's part of the journey. Keep wondering. Keep seeking after Jesus. This is all part of, of the plan. This is all part of the journey. And it doesn't need to happen in an instant. But let this stage full, uh, take its full, uh, this full measure inside of you. Um, take, take this, take this idea of taking its full effect. And we, we call this awakening uh, because the New Testament talks about this idea of, of, of you know, we, we put to death the old self and, and we we're raised to life. And so this idea of coming awake, coming out of what we would call like spiritual deadness and coming alive to the reality of Jesus. And so if this is where you are, we want to walk with you. We want to help you get to the starting line. But once we cross that starting line, we enter this first stage. And so when we talk about the three stages, and we're going to end talking primarily about this stage um, today. And so that first stage is called purgation. Now, don't let this word scares you, scare you. It sounds very ominous, but I promise that it's not. All it simply means 
is to burn away. If you've spent any time around church, um, specifically um, if you've been around the Catholic Church, this is also similar to the word um, that we get uh, with purgatory. Um, this is a whole different thing. We don't have enough time to get to get into that. But it's this idea of burning away. And so in the language of, of, of early followers of Jesus, um, we become beginners in following Jesus, right? We begin this journey with Jesus. We experience the goodness of God. We experience all that he says he is. But inevitably, um, we come up against this reality that there was something that held us, that kept us from seeing him in the first place, um, and we call this idea sin, right? This is, this is what has separated us from, from God. Um, in awakening, um, part of that stage is coming to the realization uh, that sin exists inside of us, right? All is not perfect inside. There are things that aren't good that I think or, or say or do, Right? We not only come uh, to realize how awesome God is in the awakening stage, but we also come awake to the fact that, uh, that, that sin exists. And so one of the first stage, or in this first stage, what God begins to do is burn away this sin inside of us. It's, it's this idea of purging, right? Um, think about it. Uh, what do you say to someone that has all uh, of this junk in a house? You know, someone's like a hoarder and keeps all these things. We're like, you know, you're like, purge the crap, get rid of it, right? It doesn't belong here anymore. And so this is, in essence, what God begins to do in our lives. He begins to burn away. He begins to remove the things in our life that are contradictory to him and his kingdom. Here, right? He burns away the sin uh, that has kept us and keeps us from fully experiencing his love and his grace and his mercy. Right, this is a stage um, that, that quite a few, uh, a lot of, of Christians um, are in, and, and, and honestly is a stage that a lot of people get stuck in. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about getting out of the stage in a few weeks, but today um, I just want to end our time by laying out, um, I know this is confusing, and again, this is why we, we are making this sound so much linear uh, than it actually is, but there are actually kind of four mini stages that fall into this idea of purgation. So think of this as like 1A, 1B, 1C, 1D, right? And so these are four mini stages, and, and, it's, and it's four areas of our life that God does a work of burning away so that we can be free from the bondage of sin and free to experience all that Jesus is. The first mini stage here um, is, is what we call gross sins. And it's not like a ew gross, um, but these are what we would kind of call major sins in life. Um, just to name a few examples, um, Galatians chapter 5 actually says this. Paul uh, writes this. He actually calls this like uh, this idea of like uh, a sin list. Um, he, says, he says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, enviness, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Right? So these ideas, these gross sins, right? These major things are the first to go when we... Um, 
when we begin this journey, right? And these are the things that, for the most part, um, we as followers of Jesus, but also culture, for the most part at large, uh, would say is, is not right. So those are the first things to go. The second mini stage is what we call conscious sins. Um, these are, uh, this is the sin uh, that exists in our life that might be socially acceptable in society at large, but not in the kingdom of God. Right, the biggest ex example uh, of this would, would be Jesus' teaching on sexuality, which tends to be way different uh, than what culture tends to teach. But the other thing to note uh, in this idea of conscious sins is, is these may also be things that we kind of let go in, in the church world as followers of Jesus, right? These may be things that, that we find acceptable, that we allow to go on, yet Scripture instructs us to not do. Maybe it's things like a gossip or power grabbing or materialism, right? These sins are ones that we still kind of choose to do, and that's the idea behind conscious sins, right? These are not like uh, things like addiction, um, but, but they're ones that we have control over and still choose to do them. Right? Maybe it's TV shows or, or movies that are full of uh, maybe inappropriate scenes that the world says it's okay to watch. It's really not a big deal, and, and maybe you choose to do so accordingly. But we find that a lot of what happens in that is contrary to the kingdom of God. So from that then, uh, we move from this idea of consciousness into the third mini-stage, which is unconscious sins. In this mini-stage, um, so again, those first two, those are pretty easy to get through. Um, they're, they're pretty clear, like what's in contrast with the kingdom of God. These next two tend to get a little harder. So we said unconscious sins. In this mini-stage, God begins to burn away aspects of our inner being that hinder us from completely following Jesus. Right? We, we would say that these are not only sins of commission, things that we do, but sins of omission, which are things that we should do, but don't. Right? It has to do a lot with the motivations behind our actions. This is where we, we actually let the Holy Spirit reveal to us the parts of our inner being that were invisible to us, but are now revealed and are actually a hindrance to our journey. The best way to, to figure this out, to, to kind of begin to, to work through this idea of, of, of unconscious sins is, is to ask the question, how do people experience me? I'm going to give you an example uh, from John Mark uh, Comer that he uses when teaching on this, and, and I feel like it was really great um, because we actually just taught on this idea a couple of weeks ago when we were in the book of James. And so it, it seems only fitting uh, that he actually used the, uh, the illustration of anger. Um, so to put this very practically in these first, so the gross sins, the uh, conscious sins, the unconscious sins. So if we would say you're, you know, you're kind of working through this level one um, in the area of anger, um, that level one is like things like uh, you get in fights at school and work. You know, maybe these are physical fights or, or verbal fights, right? Shouting matches, right? You're physical, you throw things, right? And so this is kind of the, the level of anger that God begins to deal with in us in level one. But maybe you're in level two and, and you would never physically touch someone, right? But again, maybe you yell, you shout, you get angry, you threaten, right? This would be kind of level two, where it's not this kind of physical, but it, it has to do a lot, you know, with this, like, this, you know, a lot more of our words. So in level three, 
right? Maybe you'd say like, I would never yell, I would never physically hurt someone, I would never yell or shout or be physical. Um, but on the inside, um, you just, you are full of contempt for someone, right? You see other people as less than you. You're full of bitterness, right? Maybe just mentioning someone's name makes your blood boil. Right? This is what God begins to burn away in stage three, these inner motivations of our heart. The, you know, these tend to be the more secret, the more hidden parts of life uh, that maybe people don't always see on the outside, but consume us on the inside. And I have to say, it's, it's things like this that take probably the longest to get rid of. Of these four kind of mini stages, this is probably where we spend the bulk of our time. But if we don't progress, if we don't move through this, it can become the area where we get stuck. Lastly, God begins to deal in this fourth stage, begins to deal with our trust structures. Author Robert Mulholland in his book, and it's a fantastic book that I would recommend to anyone, it is called Invitation to a Journey. And he describes this stage as such. He says, uh, in this stage, uh, God deals with the deep-seated attitudes and inner orientations of our being out of which our behavior patterns flow. Those deep inner postures of our being that do not rely on God but on ourselves for our well-being. This is what uh, some traditions of the church uh, may call idols of our heart. Right? And so in the stage, God begins to do this, uh, this burning away of this need to rely on anything else for our happiness and our joy and our well-being other than God. These things may not be sinful things, right? It could be things like our family, our job, our careers, our social standing, even things like exercise and travel, even things like church and serving, right? Things that maybe in and of themselves aren't bad things, but that we find deeply seated inside of our hearts we depend on for our joy, our happiness, and our well-being. The best way to diagnose, uh, to determine, um, to determine this, is to take a look at something and ask, "How would I feel if I lost this? What if I lost my job? What if my kids didn't make me look good in this moment? What if I wasn't part of this group or that? What if I never make it there?" Examine your true response and it will reveal which of these trust structures God has to deal with. And the last thing I'll say about about this last message is contrary to what you might believe, this is where we are most in slavery and where we find the most freedom in Jesus. It's in this stage where God begins to deal with the things that we are most in slavery to. But it's in this stage that we find that the, the, that the freedom of Jesus has its greatest power. Those deep-seated trust structures are what hold us hostage and keep us from following Jesus the most. They have the greatest hold on our lives. But it's in this stage that we see the freedom of Jesus shine through the strongest and the brightest. This is where we experience freedom to the greatest extent. So I hope this has been helpful to you. 
Again, this is only the first part of our journey. Next week, we're going to explore the last two stages, which are a lot more exciting and happy and don't sound as ominous as purgation. But we have to get through this, this removal of what keeps us following Jesus to be able to progress down this journey. I want to wrap up by reading Hebrews 12. It says this, There are many people who have had faith in God, or the many people who have had faith in God are around us like a cloud. I love this imagery of that there are people that have gone before us that have done this before. So let us put everything out of our lives that keeps us from doing what we should. Let us keep running in the race that God has planned for us. Let us keep looking to Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you uh, that uh, life is a journey, that it's not about uh, an instant or a moment, that you care about our development, that you care about drawing us deeper and closer. So God, as we think about these first two stages in our own lives, God, help us progress through these God, we ask, no matter how painful, that you would remove the things in our lives that keep us from following you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our sermon podcast. If you want to learn more about Starting Line Church or to help support our ministry here, check us out at www.startingline.church.